Hello, I'm Emma Morrow. And I'm Presley Youngblood. And this is Design In. In this episode of Design In, we will discuss the life of Paul Rand, his impact, his inspirations, and covering some of his work. So, Paul Rand, the man of the hour, or at least the next 20 or so minutes. Paul Rand was born in Brooklyn, New York in 1914. He was Jewish and his given name was Perez Rosenbaum. That's probably not the correct way to say it, but we'll pretend it is. <laughs> of course, later when everyone to make a name for himself, he needed something simple and catchy, something that didn't stick out as much. Another reason for his name change. An easy way to cover up the fact that he was Jewish. You're not, I'm not saying that name. Morris, <laughs> who was a close friend of Paul's, noted that he figured that the name Paul Rand, four letters here or four letters there, would create a nice symbol. Um, I personally kind of did the same thing. I made a name for myself, uh, Emma Lou, E-M-A-L-O-U, and I just took the second M out of my name so it looked, you know, aesthetically pleasing and not awful. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Just kidding. That, it is very aesthetically pleasing. But um, growing up, Paul loved painting and designing. He would even paint signs in his father's grocery store, as well as school events. When the time came, Paul, like, he really knew that he wanted to go to school for art, but his father didn't approve of that. He didn't think that he could make a living off of it, which I'm sure none of us have had to relate to. All of our parents are so supportive of being in art. <laughs> I completely understand where his father's coming from. It's one of the reasons why I switched from studio to graphic. Paul attended Heron High School located in Manhattan, but Paul also decided to take night classes for art at Pratt Institute. He later went on to attend several other schools in succession. Despite studying at Pratt and other institutions, including Parsons School of Design and the Art Students League, Paul is considered to be a self-taught designer. All right, now we're going to get into how he got into graphic design and what was happening in the world. So Paul lived in like a very chaotic time. He was born while the First World War was going on, had to live through the Great Depression. Another World War came, Vietnam War, the Cuban Missile Crisis. Basically, Paul just lived through a very awful time in history. He lived through some of the world's most tragic events. Like the Great Depression? Uh, sure. Since he lived through the Great Depression, it's very understandable that Paul's father was so worried about him struggling to make money going into art. However, in this time of chaos, he used humor as an aid in order to understand serious problems. Hold on, let me... Let me get, yeah. Let's... I feel like I can jump in on this one. Paul used humor as an aid in order to understand the serious problems that were going on in the world. This was very common for, like, advertising at the time. Um, both the government and civilian agencies were using humor to, like, make the people around them more understanding about what was going on, not to freak them out. I personally, like, I get this because I use humor a lot. Just because it's easier, it makes people, like, more calm about certain situations. And it just doesn't freak you out as much as just being like, okay, this is what's happening. It's all bad. They're more just like, this is what's happening. It's kind of funny if you look at it this way. 
Um, a quote from Plato, therefore do not use compulsion, but let early education be rather a sort of amusement. True humor, says Thomas Carlyle, springs not more from the head than from the heart. It is not contempt. Its essence, its love, its issue not in laughter, but in still smiles which lie far deeper. Now let's <laughs> talk about what happened around where he lived. Um, women's rights, the great migration and the stock market crashed plus in new york was becoming like um more known for its daring and impressive architecture there was not the technology that we have now so people were literally just putting their lives in danger every day to build these impressive buildings including the chrysler building and the empire state building so there was a lot of like attention towards the arts now like not so much maybe design but just people were looking at it more he was deeply connected with his thoughts and the ways in which he expressed them design was how he interpreted and dealt with the world it is in symbolic visual terms that the designer ultimately realizes his perception and experiences and it is in a world of symbols a man lives by paul Rand. The symbol, as Paul describes, is the common language between artist and spectator. Everything in the world is art, or at least it could be. Oh, we're actually going to put Paul there instead of me. It's all art, or could be. Now, finally, going back to his schooling, Paul is already off to an ambitious start attending these night classes so that he can pursue what he's passionate about. He began his career with humble assignments, starting with a part-time position creating stock images for a syndicate which is a group of individuals or organizations combined to promote some common interest. Basically, he was producing work that could be used pretty much anywhere, such as in newspapers, in magazines, in books, etc. Between class assignments and his job, he built a pretty sizable portfolio that was largely influenced by the German advertising style of ornamental posters, as well as the work of Gustav Jensen. Which then leads us into our next topic, Paul's influences and inspirations behind his style, craftsmanship, and ideas. <laughs> Paul was really inspired by European art, especially from Britain, Switzerland, and Germany. He grew interested in the following artists such as Cassandre, who was a French painter, a commercial poster artist, and a typeface designer. Laszlo Mahalinagi, who was a Hungarian painter and photographer and a professor in the Bauhaus School, and Gustav Jensen, who surprisingly was a Norwegian priest, hymnologist, hymn writer, and a seminary instructor. Growing up, he obtained a lot of information regarding the skills necessary for creating art, the processes and the techniques for creating art, as well as how to begin creating his very own portfolio from journals coming out of Britain and Germany. This helped him to learn and understand how to combine type and images, at least better than what people were used to seeing at the time. Of course, to us, that sounds pretty common, but you have to think of the time period. It's the early 1900s. People aren't really focused on design and how to better it. They're more focused on getting the message across quickly. Paul Rand was a game changer for design because for the first time, someone cared, and he cared enough to put in the effort to change it. Design was important to him. His passion for it is actually what helped him get noticed early on. Of course, if you see all the design that's just being slapped together and then you have Paul Rand making these eye-catching designs, you're going to notice. In fact, Paul was noticed by a lot of people and a lot of big companies. As he utilized what he learned along the way, he was then able to incorporate these skills and techniques into his very own work, thus leading us into our next topic. 
listing and describing Paul's design works and projects. In his early 20s, Paul was creating work that was receiving international attention, notably his design that was featured on the cover of Direction magazine, in which he generously allowed them to use free of charge. The reputation Paul so rapidly obtained never dissipated. Rather, it only managed to increase over the years as his influential works and writings further established him as a great designer. Overall, the cover art for Direction magazine proved to be an important step in the development of Paul's reputation and growing success. One of his earlier jobs was doing editorial work for what later became GQ magazine. This led him to getting offered a job as an art director for Esquire magazine. But he was still young and he believed that he didn't have the knowledge or background experience for the job, so he turned it down, which is very respectable of him to do so. Because I know if given the opportunity, I'd probably just be like, heck yeah, sounds good to me. Yeah, that sounds good to me too. But Paul, again, being so passionate about this area, knew that he wasn't ready for something like that. However, within that same year, he did end up accepting the job. During the course of his new job, he started to explore his options, where he began to do a lot of his logo work, thus allowing him to take... I love how you say thus so much. I personally don't use that word. (laughs) Sorry, I live with an art major. I mean, an English English major. (laughs) I live with a forestry major. You don't see me in here talking about the paper he used. We should. We should. Paul, where did you get your paper from? Hobby Lobby. Hobby Lobby. Fine line. God um, forbid. Fine line. Fine lines now closed. Go to Creative Exchange for all your paper needs. Do they no. sell paper? I don't know. Hmm. Red River Paper. Brought to you by Red River Paper. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what Todd uses. Someone uses that. Oh, shoot. Where was it? During the course of his new job. During the course of his new job, he started to explore his options, where he began to do a lot of his logo work, thus allowing him to take on the task of redesigning IBM's logo. The logo was modified by Rand in 1960. He also designed packaging and marketing materials for IBM from the early 1970s until the early 1980s, including the well-known IBM poster. That is I as in ball, B as in bumblebee, buzz, and then just M. In case you um, haven't seen that poster for yourself. Had to give you a visual for A visual, it. yeah. Just close your eyes and picture this. Don't picture that. Don't picture an eyeball and a bee. Look it up. <laughs> Paul's most widely known contribution to graphic design are his corporate identities, many of which are still in use, such as IBM, ABC. Cummins, Cummins Engines. Engine. Emma's not from the country. She's never heard of Cummins. I have not. Sorry. <sighs> Um, Westinghouse and UPS, among many others, owe their graphical heritage to him. Now, of course, everyone has seen some of his work, whether they realize it or not. On your TV, on your phone, in a book, you've seen his stuff. The most notable of his later works was his collaboration with Steve Jobs for the next computer corporate identity. Rand's simplistic black box breaks the company name into two lines, producing a visual harmony that endeared the logo. What the f- is a logo? endeared the logogram to Jobs. When Steve Jobs needed a designer, Paul Ram was the only designer that he approached. Paul helped them solve their logo problem in a way that no one else thought of. Our challenge was how could we have a little jewel that we could use without the name to put on the product, uh, etc., without spending, you know, $100 million in 10 years to to make that association in the customer's mind. And Paul solved that by, by making us a little jewel that had contained in it the name of the company. He really approached it as a problem that had to be solved, not 
an artistic challenge for its own sake. Steve labeled Paul simply the greatest living graphic designer. He was a professor of graphic design at Yale University from 1956 until his retirement in 1985. Not only did he teach at Yale, but he became an educator at Cooper Union as well as at Pratt. He also put out around 11 books on his views of graphic design. Some of his books include Thoughts on Design, A Designer's Art, and I Know a Lot of Things. Paul didn't really consider himself a great writer, but you can really see his passion in his books. And as he created these projects, he developed and formed his own philosophy and thought process in regard to how he went about designing. So these books are still really helpful. When facing the challenge of creating a successful logo, Paul believed you should consider the basics what the logos are, what they are not, and what they are capable of being. Paul Rand was a design problem solver like people hadn't seen before. He had his own take on the process. He knew what should and shouldn't be. He believed that his ideas did not need to be a surderic to be original or exciting. Yet simplicity sometimes works best. Paul defined design as a unified activity based on analysis and governed by imagination. Paul added that a logo cannot survive unless it is designed with the utmost simplicity and restraint. In his unique style, he used collage, photography, artwork, and type to engage his audience. He wanted the viewer to think, interact, and interpret his type of communication, using unconventional approaches through the use of shapes, space, balance, tension, variety, and contrast. Rand created a unique user experience. More specifically, Paul's techniques consisted of asymmetrical layouts, sans-serif typography, photography, and montage. These were key elements in his approach to creating. According to Paul's essay, The Beautiful and the Useful, graphic design, he says, no matter what else it achieves, it's not good design if it is irrelevant. If your work is just not getting attention, it's not good graphic design. I mean, a logo... Uh, becomes meaningful only, uh, only after it's used. In other words, the illustration that represents the logo is the product and not the logo. So that comes after the logo and that of course requires that the thing is seen and associated and the association is what makes the logo. Steve Jobs described Paul as being an interesting interlining of a pure artist and someone who is very astute at solving business problems. He was easily thought of as an artist, but Jobs said he thought of him just as much as a business problem solver. Bringing these two things together is what helped him become such an influential and successful designer. Being such a successful designer, his work impacted not only the people viewing it, but the design world as a whole. Paul Rand is known as one of the greatest designers for a reason. He wasn't just another successful designer. He set a new standard for what logos and graphic design could be. He was responsible for defining visual culture in America in the decades following World War II. He radically transformed advertising, blowing away the dust of the Depression era and pioneering a new, modern approach to selling products. Paul Ram was the man who introduced the idea that commercial art could and should have both a strong visual appeal and an important functional role in the world of modern business. He helped show the world that design does matter, that it is important. A lot of people during his time didn't see the reason to care so much about it. He showed them why they should, showed them that design can be meaningful. He experimented with mixed media compositions, which was never seen before. Steve Jobs called his work emotional yet intellectual. His work was a lot deeper than what it sometimes appears. 
This emotion that we feel while seeing his work and then learning the intellectual side behind it makes it much more of an impact. In his later years, Paul Rand devoted his time to more design work and the writing of his memoirs. In 1996, he passed away from cancer at the age of 82 in Norwalk, Connecticut. Even in death, he was an influential designer, with his headstone being designed by Swiss designer and colleague Fred Toller. The stacked square marble is a perfect example of his lifelong passion for art and finding its ultimate form. Paul Rand, art director and graphic designer, one of the most influential people in graphic design history. Last Holy Nagy wrote, among young Americans, it seems to me that Paul Rand is one of the best and most capable. He is an idealist and a realist, using the language of the poet and the businessman. He thinks in terms of need and function. He is able to analyze his problems, but his fantasy is boundless. His commitment to design education, combined with his writings and numerous visual innovations, constitutes a lasting legacy for the American Bum, bum, bum. I hunger, mother. I hunger.